0: Okay, everyone, let's be honest here. Whether you are living abroad or at home, having a financial plan is vital to charting your financial future. I know that some of us really don't like talking about money because it can be overwhelming, which is why you may want to consider speaking with the professionals at Smith Brewer Advisors. From retirement to investment management and estate and tax planning, an experienced financial advisor at Smith Brewer Advisors will help you create a plan to meet your financial goals. And what's awesome? They empower their clients to make the right decisions for their individual situation. To learn more about working with a fiduciary financial advisor, visit smithbreweradvisors.com. Proud sponsors of the Global Chatter podcast. Smith Brewer Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. I will say that I knew very little about the stories and experiences of overseas athletes until fairly recently. If you listen to the show a couple episodes back, you'll know that I did an interview with Jory Davis, who shared her story of becoming a professional basketball player overseas. Honestly, it was an eye-opener for me because I will readily admit I didn't even know how one even got started. But one thing that I can say is her episode highlighted just how much it takes for an athlete to move abroad just so that they can continue playing in the sport that they love at the highest levels. The patience, the trials, the steadfastness, it's all in the mix. And those components that were prominent in Jory's story are the same in Chris Squire's. Just like Jory, Chris is a former athlete from Indiana University who, in his case, played baseball. After spending time in minor and independent leagues, a chance opportunity led to him relocating to Austria at the edge of the Eastern Alps, where he is currently based today. It's also where Chris is expanding the platform he founded, Love It Lifestyle, which is both a contemporary fashion blog and brand. In this episode, Chris walks us through the journey he's been through in order to build both his baseball career and his growing fashion one. He describes the perseverance of pursuing both pathways and how living in Austria has given him the opportunity to stay tethered to both. He also underscores the importance of having a plan for what comes next when life can change at any minute. Life is rarely a straight path, but as you'll soon hear, it doesn't mean you can't get to where you're intending to go. Welcome to The Global Chatter. I always like to do a location check because when you do this kind of show, very rarely am I in the same place with them. So where in the world are you? I'm in Dornburn, Austria. It's the west side of Austria. I'm about
1: 10 minutes from the Swiss border and about 20 minutes from the German border.
0: Okay. So the part that kind of freaked me out earlier was when you said it was snowing. <laughs> and then mm. We're We're recording this in, I guess it's the first day of April, so. So the fact that exactly. we know I'm in the South, but is it common for it to be snowing around this time where you are?
1: Yeah, they, they have a saying. I don't know exactly what it is in German, but April tends to do whatever it wants. And all of March was nice. So it's a little bit unexpected for us. Yeah. Everybody was getting ready for spring. And then this weekend supposed to be really cold. So oh, no. hopefully things change soon.
0: And I, I would imagine, because I've been in these streets long enough, that when you say you're in Austria, somebody got to say you in Australia. I, I... Yes.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> kangaroos is the thing most people ask about.
0: Do they like, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, hey, how are the kangaroos? I'm like, ah, wrong place. But... I, we, you know, I... I... I don't even want to ask if they're American. Cause I already know I'm going to be embarrassed, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure other people hint, hint who are not American might assume mm. you're not. <laughs> Did you, Um, and with it being Austria and I'm thinking about where you're located. So I'm trying to think from a language standpoint, German, mm-hmm. is that part of yes. this? Okay.
1: Yes. German, they have their own little dialect yes. here specifically, which makes it incredibly tough to learn. Yeah. Um, but everywhere in this area, up to the Swiss border, a yeah. little bit of Switzerland and a little bit of well, once you go over into Germany, yeah, it's all kind of the same. Um, but as soon as you get, you know, fifty kilometers outside of here, it's it's completely different in either direction. It's completely different.
0: Oh my gosh! Well, here's the thing: I'm we're going to talk about your story, and we're going to talk about how you got to Austria because I'm sure there mm-hmm. are people going, okay, I. Let's be honest. I don't know any black people in Austria. It was probably one hundred percent. And so, but I want to. I want to kind of lay out your story so we can talk about where you are and what you're doing right now. Okay. So, you grew up in the Midwest. Is that correct?
1: Yes, Fort Wayne, Indiana.
0: Oh my goodness! Born and raised.
1: Uh, not born. I was born in New Jersey. My <laughs> parents moved around for a little bit, and then we settled on Fort Wayne. And I think I maybe was. About three years old or so by the yeah. time we got there. And so I was raised up there, but I wasn't born there. Okay. <laughs> all of my memories pretty much come from Fort Wayne, though.
0: From Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm-hmm. So tell me tell me a little bit about your childhood. Did you grow up traveling at all?
1: I would say traveling in the sense that we would go on, you know, vacation, spring break. So we'd go to Florida or Arizona and, and places like that. Cancun one time, that was the first time I really was out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did quite a lot of traveling within the United States, Canada, every now and then. And I took a few baseball trips up to Canada when I was in about high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so was kind of where we grew up traveling. So we knew what it was to travel and, and to move around and see different places.
0: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've said this pretty frequently, particularly with Americans, just because as big as the country is, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, I'm sure growing up in Fort Wayne is very different than going to like a Florida, right? Oh, 100%. Or to, right?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Did you see and, and I guess even within where you were growing up or where or the places you traveled in within the US, did you kind of notice different cultural expressions or just, you know, different ways of doing things from what you were familiar with?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I think part of that, though, stems from my uh, father's from New York City
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and my mother's from Columbus, Ohio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so just outside of traveling back and forth to Columbus, I mean, still Midwest, but a lot more progressive, at least at this point in time, than where I come from. And, of course, New York is kind of a shock the first couple <laughs> right? times that you go. Yeah. Um, so as a young kid, it was always, you know, great for my brother and I to get to New York and see these different surroundings so we'd kind of grown up knowing life in Fort Wayne isn't like life everywhere else Mm -hmm. within this country even
0: and I think that might be a great foreshadowing to kind of where your life (laughs) has taken you right exactly no but it's true like New York though really is like nowhere else Mm
2: -hmm. in the
0: country like as an American, I I go there and go, okay, this is part of the U.S., but yeah. but this is very yeah. different. And so, at what point did you, you know, you've already mentioned baseball? What point did you start playing, or did you pick up an interest in the sport?
1: I was very very young, so probably about three years old, and about that time, I mean, it was that was my first love. Once I was like, I love this, and this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That is the only thing that my mind was on. So even in school, you know, you take art class or career planning and all these things. And I would try to plan everything around wanting to be a baseball player. All of my art would have something to do with baseball. I know my art teacher hated <laughs> me for that uh, growing up, but um, that's just the way that my mind was working at that time. It was, this is the thing that I want to do and, and I'm going to put all of my time and effort into trying to accomplish that.
0: Now, from your family standpoint, did you grow up in an athletic family or was this just sort of like you were the outlier who had this sport and this talent?
1: Uh, No, I I grew up in an athletic family. I think my mom played basketball in high school Mm -hmm. and played a little bit of maybe rec league softball. Um, My dad. Did a lot more though. I think he, uh, especially growing up in New York, he played lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played basketball. They were always going to the park and and doing whatever they were doing out there uh, athletically. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he also wrestled in college.
0: Oh, wow! Um,
1: so we grew up in a sports family, mm-hmm. and we played all sports. I mean, they introduced us to to every sport and whatever we took a liking to. They decided, all right, we'll we'll let you do this or we'll let you try this out and, and see how you like it.
0: So I would imagine as as a young kid with this background in the sport, mm-hmm. you did get to travel because of that sport, right?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Um even still relating to my dad. My dad's very into martial arts. So um from a very young age, you know, he might go to a tournament. We would travel with him to mm-hmm. to go to that tournament and then Um, Once it turned into, or once we started playing baseball, and I say we because my brother and I both played baseball, Um, once we started playing on different travel teams, we'd at least travel around the area or a little bit outside. So, you know, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, those places that were very close to us. um, We started traveling there, you know, on weekends for tournaments during the summer. And and that's really where if you're going to do something and you have to travel to do it, you're just you just get right into it
0: yeah did you i mean you talked about this as being a, as a young kid and and knowing you know you try to plan things around baseball mm-hmm. did you i guess with all seriousness have an awareness that you know thinking about high school thinking about college thinking about post-college mm-hmm. it would have something to do with baseball was that kind of where your mind was that this is the sport that i really want to go all yeah. in
1: hundred percent um I know, especially by the time I got to high school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, we did our recruiting a little bit differently. I just decided that, you know, these are the colleges that I want to go to. Um, let's go to their camps, show them what I can do, tell them that I'm interested in their school, and of course, I wanted to go to a a school that was also great academically. So, with Notre Dame being around me and yeah. Michigan, yeah, you know, we would go to these places, yeah. say, "Hey, this is what I want to do. This is." how I'm kind of building my life. And I also want the opportunity to play professionally.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So we just made a list of all the schools that would give me, or I'd have a great time academically. I'd be able to develop as a baseball player and continue um, on my career the way that I wanted. I knew I wanted to start a business at some point in time. Both of my parents are entrepreneurs. And so the way that I really looked at life at that point in time was you know, I want to play baseball. Okay. What's your plan B? Okay. Go to get school, get a great education in business. Yeah, And then when baseball is done, okay, I at least have the skills to be inserted into any role that I want to at any company. Um, or I can start my own company. Don't know what it is yet. Or at that time, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I just wanted to arm myself with that knowledge and those skills where that was my plan b and and I'd be able to to execute that as I saw fit,
0: okay, can I say that the educator in me is so happy that you said all of that because <laughs> 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 I said this yeah. to jory um and and I will say this to you because both of you are athletes and have been athletes, mm-hmm. you know specifically in the space that I worked in for a long time, which I was telling you was with black and brown kids mm-hmm. and when you're helping students think about college and they potentially have an athletic ability, right? Mm-hmm. Or perceive, because that's the other thing
2: I will yeah, just say. Exactly.
0: So often I would have this conversation about what is your plan, you know, with your sport or without it? Yes. And and now I recognize, you know, Joy with basketball, you with baseball, little bit different, still the same though. Mm-hmm. Where you know, particularly I'm dealing with students who are looking at football. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if we're looking at male students. Yeah. 100%. And it was just this. You, I mean, I think you know where I'm going. It's and it's immediately okay. I'm going to get to insert whatever D1, you know, and I, you know, I'm a D1 kid. I'm you know ACC mm-hmm. country, not Big Ten, but you no, know, it's she, okay. She, she, we can't all be ACC Um, but but do you know what I mean that hurts me I know I yeah it's supposed to you know the funny thing is complete sidebar I have visited some of those schools out there and they are what like I've been out to Michigan for example Mm -hmm. wonderful campus I mean there is good or bad a wonderful sports culture that is very embracing out there and I can definitely see why especially especially if you're a kid from there Mm-hmm. those those are the schools you're going to aspire to go to not that there aren't great other schools but yeah yeah you know but it, yeah if you if you want to be at some of these powerhouses i think they're great education wise but it was funny the number of kids i would talk to and especially to be very honest mostly black males mm-hmm. and and there's this idea of okay i'm just gonna play the sport right like i'm good enough to play, play the sport and then i'm gonna be the next I mean, I can date myself, but it could be anybody it could be well, no, that'd be too bad, far back, but like Mike Vick, Reggie Bush, yeah, whatever whoever, right? just just because you know who they are, some people are like who they yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing that was very disheartening sometimes is that I'd have to say, number one, it's very competitive, right? It is competitive yes. to be I would imagine you you know, you have a list, but it is competitive mm-hmm. if it is a especially well known program in that 100%. discipline. And it is also just competitive from the standpoint of even once you get past that, if you're looking at the higher levels. And so I'm curious with that list that you you made a very curated college list in terms of where you were going to go. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, very much so. We had about, I'm going to say, maybe five schools that I knew were great at baseball would give me a great education and I'd be able to kind of do what I wanted to after that. So I, I know Stanford was the school I loved growing up because they always were in the college world series. Yeah. The coach at Vanderbilt now, Tim Corbin, um, actually played baseball with my God, one of my, or I think my God uncle. Yeah. And they played at Ohio Wesleyan together. So Vanderbilt was definitely of interest. Of course, the Ivy leagues in the Northeast, I have family that lives in the Northeast. Yeah. So Those were schools that were also, you know, in consideration. And we just sat down and and plotted out, you know, where I should back up a little bit, you know, the way that my brother and I grew up was, you know, my parents always told us, if you have a great education, you can always do what you want to do. And so it was really not so much that it was always education first. Yeah. But there was a if our grades were not right, then we could not play. And so there was this strong emphasis on education needs to be at the forefront of what you want to do outside of sport. And so that is just the funnel that we decided to look at our sports careers within was, okay. what are these schools that can offer me both of the things that are going to help me move forward in life in the way that I want to? And so that's what we sat down, came up with as a family. And then we set out on a path to, to to try to do that and make it happen.
0: So where did you ultimately end up going for college?
1: I ended up going to Indiana. I ended up being a direct admit into the business school, which always helps. I wanted <laughs> right. to study And make life business. a little bit
0: easier for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: And it was the funny thing was it, it was actually the last school I wanted to go to because <laughs> they didn't have a great baseball program at the time. <laughs> Now, I believe in God. I hope some of the other people that listen believe in God as well. And, you know, it really was um, God really created this situation that was really optimal for me because I didn't want to go to Indiana because the baseball was bad. Well, the coach had just transferred from Miami of Ohio, Mm -hmm. um, which had a winning program. And you know he wanted me to be in his first class of guys to try to turn this ship around which he ended up doing he coaches at Arizona State now so he was very successful
0: yeah
1: um in achieving what he wanted to at Indiana and because I had already gotten into the business school and so I was like okay I can study business this guy really wants me to be a part of his program cuz especially for athletics you want to go somewhere where one, you're going to play. Mm-hmm. And two, you know, the coach actually has a vested interest in you. And late in my recruiting uh, is when that opportunity really came about. And, you know, I couldn't thank God more for for how everything ended up shaking out.
0: And I want to put at that point, I want to put a pause on we, we've gotten you to college. but I want to put a pause on that because. I believe uh, this is the best way I can describe it. There's a parallel story because you have talked mm-hmm. about business, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's important for our audience to understand, okay, why is he like swirling around business? And that it, obviously <laughs> you, you mentioned your parents were entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? Was that, yes. you know, was that a motivating factor just in general? And we will talk about the line of business you're in, but was that a, was that something where you always saw yourself as, I probably am going to be an entrepreneur or have my own my own thing.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, considering that's one how I grew up. You know, I saw my mom write a business plan from scratch. Wow. You know, and and get funding and investing. She's in home healthcare. Yeah. Her business has been around twenty five years plus. Wow. Um, And so, just seeing the, what I say, as an entrepreneur, the the freedom of your lifestyle that comes with owning your own business as well. I knew that was the direction that I wanted to go. So I didn't watch my parents do the typical, you know, nine to five corporate route. It was, you know, we built this from scratch and now this is thriving. And then my dad's a software engineer and and he actually was going to Indianapolis for a while, had some clients down there building his business. And, and for me, at least I was just like, this is great. I mean, my, parents come to pretty much every one of my baseball games it's always a parent there or ones with me ones with my brother yeah and so we just saw how that lifestyle of having your own business being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it, that freedom that that owning something yourself or, or that comes with owning something yourself that was something that I knew you know I as I told you before, I didn't know what type of business I necessarily wanted to go into. I just knew, I just want to learn about business and I'll figure out between baseball and all my other interests, you know, do what you do and money comes. And I still yeah. try to live a little bit by that mantra and because I'm still not there yet, but right. that's the way that we grew up and, and that's the way that I, I still continue to to see life.
0: Yeah. No, I mean it's really wild. When I hear you speak, I'm thinking to myself: in some ways, it sounds unconventional, but in other ways, I'm thinking to myself, "Well, you know what? He had parents who were entrepreneurs, and he, mm-hmm. and he has this talent. <laughs> that person's probably not going to go into a nine <laughs> to five. Yeah, to be honest, I don't exactly. think you were. I don't think you were set up for a nine to five typical ex- experience. Would you yes. agree?
1: Oh, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. Yeah.
0: So, so you know. I was, uh, when I was doing research for this, I was very intrigued because I think you had mentioned, um, on the Unguarded podcast about how, where your interest in fashion started. And, mm-hmm. and, and part of it started, I think, with your family, but then just how you built that. And so mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about, um, especially from a young age where mm-hmm. you start to be very cognizant about fashion. Cause I, especially, I'm especially interested about this thinking about you as a young male because the teenage mm-hmm. boys I knew did not care yeah exactly (laughs) i mean not to the extent that you cared like they cared about okay maybe these jordans or whatever but not
1: yeah exactly yeah so my grandmother and my great aunt actually had their own little boutique in manhattan it was called house of squires and what they would do is they would go out to the shops you know they they had their clients they would buy things they thought their clients liked and then they'd have these little you know, parties at their house and people would try things on and everything. And so I I never got to, to fully see exactly what they did. But when we would go to New York, I remember, you know, us going into the basement and they have all these racks of clothes and we're like, okay, what's going on here? You know, so my dad had always mentioned, you know, that kind of was their thing. And, you know, when we go out of the house, you know, they were very big on, we will always be put together. You know, no matter what, no matter what the style is or the trend, there's some classic ways or some timeless ways you can always mm-hmm. put yourself together. So we started learning that stuff as we were growing up. And of course, I mean, especially in high school, yeah, you're going to try to fit in with the crowd a little bit. But I think, um, and I think I mentioned this with Jory as well as once I went from public school to private school, where private school, we had a uniform. Yeah. And so that's kind of where. My sense of style really came together, which was okay, here's you know all this this urban wear that we're wearing really in public school now how do I still keep my personality in also wearing this uniform over here? Yeah. and then that really was the start of a journey that I had no clue who would end up you know where it's at today but but that really was the start of the journey because I knew I thought about it a, a little bit differently than just. Oh, let me just throw this on and throw this on. It was uh, it needs to look well. It needs to match. I'm not so much with matching now. I like to complement a little bit more. Yeah. But you know, there's a way or a process to put an outfit together and put clothing together that looks good and yeah. presentable and still keeps a little bit of personality in there. And and everything is just really grown from from that seed.
0: And I have to imagine, and I'm not trying to be. What's the word stereotypical? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the Midwest, yes. right? We know. I, I mean, at this point, we know that when we look at fashion epicenters in the country, we are looking coastal, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Good or bad, we the ones again. <laughs> we look coastal, and so I'm trying to imagine being, you know, a young person, particularly a teenage male, particularly being a black teenage mm-hmm. male, and having maybe a little bit of a different sense of fashion. Mm-hmm expertise and knowledge than maybe your peers who, you know, cause we're all trying to fit yeah, in, right? 100%. So that's not the time we're trying to go the other way. Did you get in a little bit of pushback or any kind of just, I don't want to say resistance cause you're just being mm-hmm. you, but were there, were there folks where they were just like, yeah, man, I don't know about all this. <laughs> uh, I know? wouldn't say too much. I, granted it, it, it really took a
1: while for everything to kind of come to fruition. But what I can comment on that is I, I think we had talked about traveling with baseball earlier and you know, going to when I went to Canada, I was with a team from Chicago, so it was a little bit different yeah. than you know what people were doing in Fort Wayne. And when I went out to Stanford's camp, you know, I met a lot of kids from California, and their style was completely different. So I got to right. see how all these different people dressed and took a little bit from each of what they were doing to say, "Oh you know, let me try this and let me try this." And you know it also helped me not to be afraid. To be myself, because yeah. I knew, okay, if I wear, you know, this hat with a super flat brim, all the guys I know from Cali, they're all with this. So it doesn't matter if the people in Fort Wayne are or not. I know my my guys out in Cali, we're all with this, you know. So yeah, you got to see a little bit of that diversity, and at the same time, kind of shore up your own uniqueness because you knew wherever you were. You were just pulling little pieces. So there'd be someone out there that likes some aspect of it, you know, or, or of the outfit that you created. And, And that's where everything really just started going full throttle.
0: All right so i want to pick up the story you know typically and i you are pretty much <laughs> i think in line with this when someone plays a sport in college many people have the hopes or at least the intentions of at least trying at the professional level so making you know taking it to the next level so when you were ready to leave college, what was your plan, and where where did you end up landing?
1: Well, the, the first plan was to get drafted my junior year, which did not happen because juniors where you can at least make a little bit of money. I at least knew because I tried to leave afterwards because I didn't get drafted, which was very upsetting for me because I, I thought that was something that was going to happen but the feedback I just kept hearing was, you know, we'll get you next year. We'll get you next year. We'll get you next year. So I said, all right, you know, let me settle in for this last year. I know something will happen. Um, And I ended up getting drafted by the Marlins very late. So senior sign and got drafted, went down to Jupiter, um, started playing and just trying to figure out, okay, how do I get better? How can I compete at this level? And, you know, that, I started traveling again. That took me out to, I had a pitching coach out in California. Mm -hmm. So I'd go out to California in the off season, throw with him, go back to Florida for the season. I would drive. I started driving to Florida every year for spring training. Mm -hmm. I drove out to California when I wanted to do my, my pitching training. And, And so I was already trying to figure out, okay, how, what do I need to try to get better? And then let me bring it down to Florida and see how everything shakes out.
0: And so at what point did your baseball career kind of take you outside the United States? When I
1: was a baseball player, when I played professionally, I kind of was a journeyman. So with all the minor league teams that different affiliates have, I was the guy that was like, OK, spend two weeks here and then go one week to this other place and then go two weeks to this other place and then three weeks to this other place. So I was already kind of moving around all the time. Once I got to independent ball, it was the same. You're traveling all over the country. I mean, in the American Association, you go all the way from Winnipeg, Canada to Laredo, Texas, right on the border of Mexico. So after I got released from the Marlins, that's what I was doing. I was still kind of in that travel mode. And then I ended up getting injured and I spent a whole year just working uh, with my mom in home health care and I just really didn't like sitting in one spot. So when it became time to look for a quote unquote real job, um, I was rehabbing. I didn't know if I'd be able to play again or not. And I started sending out at this. Now they have a baseball jobs overseas, which helps a lot of guys get over here to, to find jobs to play yeah. here, which is great. They didn't have that when I was there. So I was going to random league websites and, just trying to email people like, hey, I'd love to play overseas. I, I didn't feel that I was done playing yet. Yeah. And so I, w- I wanted to, or at that point in time in my career, I said, okay, I'm probably not going back to affiliated ball, but I still want to play. So let me see if I can even find an opportunity to go overseas because independent ball is a grind. And then it just so happened, Lord intervenes again. It's actually watching church or church broadcast on youtube and i was Mm -hmm. at home watching youtube broadcasts. email came through i was already feeling bad because you know i had to look for real jobs and (laughs) right email comes through baseball in austria i'm like oh what is this (laughs) i look it up guy asks you know hey i you know found some of your information that i had probably put out like a year before or a year and a half before so i thought it wasn't going to happen Yeah. And he said he had stumbled upon it and asked if I wanted the opportunity. And I went through a couple of interviews and four months later, I was done with rehab and I flew out to Austria and started playing out here.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so for your career, as far as being an overseas athlete, has it been predominantly or only in Austria?
1: Uh, For me, yes. Uh, But that's just kind of the way the, the club that's here kind of structured everything. So when I first came over here, I just was a player. So I just was a foreign player. And over the years, when the year was over, they said, hey, would you like to do, you know, some more youth training? Would you like to maybe coach one of the youth teams and we'll help you get a German class so you can improve your German? And so said, you know what, I actually like that prospect. So, you know, I'll try that. And then the next year it was, hey, You want to take on more youth teams and we'll get you another class and, you know, you can continue learning and and moving up here. And so now it's to the point where I don't even really get paid to play anymore. I just kind of play for fun. And my job is really coaching and and helping develop the youth. So what I was doing here really evolved over time. and, And that was very unexpected. Right. I never thought at any point in time in my life, I would ever even have the need to try to learn German. Um, <laughs> so, so the fact that we're even here today is is still, you know, I'm just very grateful that, that you know, these opportunities have, have come up and I've been able to take advantage of them when they have.
0: I mean, did you even think you would see yourself as a coach? Was coaching even on your radar?
1: Not really. And especially not kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and not kids in German.
1: <laughs> but I right. but I think what ended up happening is those two things kind of came together. So it was learn German, okay, and I'm coaching kids. So let me try to take the things I'm learning in German, let yeah. me use that with the kids, and then yeah. I'm kind of growing in two areas at the same time. I'm learning a different language, which I I didn't know that I would do. And I really need to try to become more proficient at it so I can communicate with these kids and help them as best as I possibly can. So it was these two different avenues of of self-growth that I actually could throw myself into. It wasn't just learning German as a hobby. It was learning it to actually be able to apply it and to you know, begin coaching kids and communicating with because that's something I never saw myself doing. So to then be thrown into the thing, okay, now I have all these ten year olds and twelve year olds and fourteen, fifteen year olds. Okay, how can I communicate with them better and and what do I learn about myself on this process? So it was interesting to kind of see that split, let alone the business is also in between there. So it just became this life growth type situation. that yeah. I wanted to be a part of and, and really throw myself into.
0: Okay. So you said something that's super important and I think it's true. It's one thing to learn a, a language for a hobby because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually going through this right now, working on, I guess I'll claim it a third language, but, <laughs> but, but there's a specific purpose to it. And you're right because it, there's one thing to learn German and figure out where the bathroom is. It's yes. another thing to actually be cheap. Teaching and training someone in a technical skill, yes, where you have to be able to put it in a way, or at least describe it in a way that they can understand. And then I say, then it's a different level as someone who's worked with kids because you're working with kids, Mm -hmm. so you can't even necessarily throw out certain things because they've only had so many so many experiences at that age. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, it is kind of crazy the fact that (laughs) that you (laughs) you came thinking you were going to do one thing. And you're doing this other thing. And so, you know, I, I'm interested, you know, at this point, you're a black dude from the States, right? Like, mm-hmm. are you on, are you in a, or were you in an organization that was multicultural, diverse, or was it pretty much hom- homogenous and you, you know, you're, you're the difference <laughs> in it. Like, what was it from a cultural standpoint for you?
1: Uh, very homogenous. I'll tell you that for sure. Also, it's very, interesting in general, especially this specific area uh, that we're in. There's a lot of Turkish people that are here as well. There's the refugee community also, and then there's the Austrians. But with our specific organization, uh, in Baseball Austria, you can always have foreigners come over or you have a certain allotment of foreigners that you could have come over So as far as baseball was concerned, you know, a lot of the kids on the team, not the real young kids, but when I was working more with the men's team and the second team, they're used to having different nationalities and and different uh, types of people come over to help them out. And so it felt more, was very much more welcoming than if I were to come over and go straight into a company that's homogenous and just do this job and do this job they're way they were way more welcoming of hey let's bring these foreigners over and they're just going to help us learn baseball and they were used to that situation so it made it much more comfortable to to step in and and hit the ground running
0: and so inquiring minds want to know did you get the german um (laughs) no one ever wants to say that they're like it (laughs) yeah it's it's you're better than when you got there oh way better
1: a hundred (laughs) percent better than when i got here okay and i still have a uh a long way to go i'd say their grammar is just way different than what english is and and for people that don't know in german you have three articles there's three ways to say the and then it affects (laughs) the other words in the the sentence based on what the article of a (laughs) word is so that's kind of those are the intricacies of the language that i'm trying to 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 figure out at this point in time
0: at least there are rules because English really don't have
2: it.
0: (laughs) I mean, there are rules, but I'm always sympathetic to people who come from other languages because at least there's like, oh, this is what we do. And I could not explain why we do what we do for why we do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Even
1: teaching English is the same as why is it like this? I'm like, I actually don't know what to tell you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is just the way you should say it. And we're Americans, so don't ask us what the Brits do. <laughs> exactly, and they teach right. a lot of
1: British English in school, which right. is interesting too. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. And we're like, I don't know why they why is it spelled that way. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. This is how we spell it, though. <laughs> um, and so, okay, so you're you're in Austria at this point, and I think it's important for the audience to know you have not given up for your love of fashion, mm-hmm. and 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 that is still very much a part of the things you're doing. So. Talk a little bit about your brand. So mm-hmm. tell us about your brand and how it kind of grew and, mm-hmm. and started while you've been in Australia.
1: Okay, so when I first got over here, uh, I was really just playing. And as an overseas athlete, you have tons of downtime. And so after the first year and I came back and I was really focused kind of more on coaching, but I was still playing as well. I said, you know what, what can I do with my downtime except, you know, go to the gym or watch Netflix or something. I was like, you know, this would be a good time to try to start building building a brand or or trying to figure out what kind of business that I wanna run. And mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do something in fashion and so what I start I had come up with the logo and all of that stuff like years prior. And so I said, okay, how can I just apply this and and, and what's the what's a low cost way that I can do it? And one of those is starting a blog and just trying to build audience. So I started the blog in I believe late 2016 early 2017 and you know really didn't know what to write about. I was like all right, I just like fashion, let me try to do this and I just kind of dove into okay, how does this work? How do I build a shop? Oh, I can do affiliate marketing. Okay, how do I incorporate that into what I'm doing with my blog and then okay, you know, I want to make clothes at some point in time. I have some ideas. Started diving into okay, who are suppliers and manufacturers. And, and I really just had a lot of time to navigate this world of how do I do mm-hmm. this and what's the best option for me given I want a low-cost solution to be able to do this. And at the base level, I'm just going to have this blog, which is really mm-hmm. my thoughts on fashion. And with affiliate marketing, you don't need any money to do that. It's okay, I can pump these affiliates in these different styles and this different clothing that I like. And it really started there, blogging wise. And then once I was able to save some money, then that's when I said, "Okay, I have enough saved now as to where I can produce one item." You know, how much does it cost me to do one item and and a few of them, and and maybe do some drop shipping. And I just started yeah. really floating around those areas and and seeing how I could put everything together.
0: I you know I a few months ago had Audra Gordon. Mm-hmm. Y'all's stories are completely different, but the same. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me say this. So she is originally from the Caribbean, grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. Similar story in the sense that growing up, seeing grandmothers and aunties fashion. Mm-hmm. And she went into <laughs> finance and investment banking. So she mm-hmm. did not even go into the fashion. <laughs> Long story short, though, she never lost it, moved to Hong Kong, which is mm-hmm. where she is right now. And was also building up a brand and and we talk similar like with like I am with you about what it was like. She, because she she was on her own building mm-hmm. this thing up. And then this is all happening during COVID. So you know, yeah, you, exactly. get, you get you know what I mean, you get you get momentum, and then oh <laughs> once in a generation, pandemic hits.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then what happens?
0: And so I'm curious for you, like, you know, you started with an idea. Or you had the idea, but mm-hmm. she put it out in the universe because the idea was there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You started with something in 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. Did the pandemic like have any impact to some of the stuff that you were doing? I know you were trying to build brand identity and whatnot, but did that impact some of the work that you were doing? Not
1: so much, actually. And in and- you know, I, I want to be mindful of, of some of the other situations, you know, that people went through because I, I can't imagine, you know, going yeah. through that or, or having the rug kind of pulled out from under you. In my situation, you know, it, it really just became, you know, OK, we can't meet in person to do practice. OK, so I started making little videos for the kids and that's how I was passing the time there. I also started working at the um, they have like sports schools overseas, mm-hmm. if if people don't know that. And I started working at that as a baseball instructor. So I took the time to really write out, you know, my philosophy and my plan for how I wanted to move kids through, you know, Mm -hmm. my training program at the school. Um, We did a lot of video chats and video lessons, and I was able to share with them, you know, different books uh, that I had been reading. So we really switched more from the physical to the mental, which is, is, you know, there's a huge degree there. They say baseball is 90% mental and 10% physical. So we were really able to, you know, focus in on what are the mental aspects of the game and, and how do other big league players think about that? What was my experience? What have you guys experienced? And, and how do you think you can um, better yourselves mentally to, to prepare? And, you know, outside of that, you know, I'm working on, I love it at the same time. And, you know, a lot of manufacturers are struggling to, you know, yeah. find people that want to make clothes. So for me to even inquire, you know, it was a, ver- it was, I was welcomed in to, okay, what yeah. do you want to do? Cause we need something. And at the same time, I was saving a lot of money because there were no restaurants open. So I couldn't go and get a right. K-bop and, you know, all that stuff yep. I like to get my guilty pleasures. So yeah. it was a very interesting time is, is in terms of research and development and how to pivot more you know from the mental side um at, at least baseball wise or even you know taking up meditation and things like that then those were things in my personal life that were happening that i could yeah. then share with my kids as well um apply to everything that I was really doing at that time. So it it was an interesting time, but it was a very productive time for me to to really sit down and think strategically about, okay, this is reevaluate. What are my goals? Where do I want to go? And are there any changes that I need to make, especially in terms of messaging? That's been really my biggest problem. How can I change this or or manipulate it in a way that's going to work better or be more efficient uh, moving forward?
0: And I think that that leads me to my kind of my next question. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone were to hear about love it, what would you want them to know about this brand? Like, what would you want them to understand that you do or take away?
1: I want them to understand the takeaway is I I want to encourage and inspire people to design a life that they love, which Mm -hmm. is essentially what I have been doing. And so it's to really tell people that your dreams are possible You just have to set the goals. You have to plan. You have to see it and try to bring it to fruition. But it is possible to do it. And you don't need a lot of money to do that. I mean, baseball players, unless you play in the big leagues, you do not make money playing baseball. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very mindful about, you know, where your spending is, how much things cost. and, And it allows you to really look at the fundamentals of one business. You know, how can you put something together? you know, with, within a budget and make it work, you know? So that was, was one of the big things that, you know, I saw kind of coming out of this and, and just overall where really looking at how in your life, if just love your life, there's a lot of things about life to love. So start looking at the little details about it and figure out how, you can love every aspect of your life, from your relationships to, to your work, to your hobbies. Just go all in, be yourself, mm-hmm. be unique. And it, you have the power to create the life that you love. So do it. Just don't be a slave to what society says that you should do. I know that's a much longer explanation than, <laughs> <laughs> than I really should give. It should if, be more simple not- than that.
0: And not the longest i've greasy, so <laughs> totally
1: I'm still working I mean, on it,
0: I mean, and no, because i and I, I know I ask these questions, but it's interesting to build the brand in real time, right, mm-hmm. because I say this I, and I'm very transparent with the black expat and and the some of the stuff I've done. I've had to you know in real time, I'm like, yeah, what are we about? what are mm-hmm. we trying to do, and especially In the early part of the story. Right. Because, you know, what's ironic is that two years from now, I could ask you the same question and it may look different because of what you've learned. Yes, exactly. And so that's why I understand. No, there's no such thing as too long a response (laughs) because we're we're all evolving and pivoting, especially Mm. when we're building something. I mean, I you know, I went through this site. And I was looking at some of the content and I was like, OK, there's definitely a very specific point of view that I think that you are you are trying to convey. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I was trying to think of what are the adjectives that I would use? because. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I, exactly. like, I was like, you know, I was thinking purposeful, clean, a very clear aesthetic. Uh, I hope these, I hope these are right, by the way, because uh, they're not, if they're not, you're like,
1: <laughs> they're helping me. That's, sure. <laughs> are, they,
0: are they really
1: about to start taking I, notes?
0: I mean, I'm also a really good business strategist. So, <laughs> so we could talk off. there. Right, right. I got people who can help with that, but, but yeah, I mean, but I, it looks like to me, you are taking a mix of what you've learned, your experiences growing up in, 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 in Indiana. Mm-hmm. How you sort of see fashion and how you sort of see lifestyle, because Mm -hmm. I I really think that when I look at your brand, it is a lifestyle brand. Mm -hmm. Right. When we look at the the descriptions. Right. And and what it is doing, it's pulling from all these different pieces of your life. Right. So whether you've been an athlete, whether you're a scholar, whether Mm -hmm. you're an entrepreneur, whether you're someone who's been overseas, whether you're a teacher and a trainer like is that that's what I I do actually see that and I think what's very interesting and why I like having folks like you on is that it's interesting to watch someone build a brand outside of their home country. Yes. Cuz I would imagine it's a little bit different. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right? And 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 you've had to incorporate kind of what's going on in your real world if mm-hmm. you will, not just in your imagined world and it's like yeah, I'm also in a different cultural context and how much that impacts your your work. Yes. So I guess my question for you, you know, as we kind of round up is you're you're very early in where you are mm-hmm. with it. Where do you sort of see yourself in the next couple of years? And this is this is both with your brand with Love It, but mm-hmm. also I mean, you're in Austria. Is this like a home base? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, always, I always say this this like a home base for you? Or do you see other moves up ahead? Or what do, you, what do you kind of see kind of down the road for you?
1: I'll start with the, the, what you left off with. Do I see Austria as a home? I would say not necessarily, but I'm also not against it. I personally, I would say I'm moving more towards I want financial freedom to be able to then go or do whatever I want. And so the way I describe it to my parents is, you know, they're like, well, where do you wanna be in five years? I'm like, if I have the money, I can go wherever I want. So if I wanna design a collection and live in Barcelona and take in attributes from living in Barcelona and and infuse that into clothing, then I can do that. Or if I wanna go to um, Africa, and infuse what's going on there and use some fabrics from from what's going on there and, and, and pump all of that up, then I want to have the ability to be able to do that too. So I really see myself as more of a nomad and I can't definitively say, you know, or I want to live here or I want to live here. I look at my life as I want to be flexible and being able to go where I want to go when I want to go there and be inspired by the things there and still be able to turn that into commerce. Um, so that's kind of how I, I look at life as a whole that way. Um, as far as the brand is, I think it's really about a, a couple of things. One is just having more offerings to people because I think that um for me especially my advertising budget is really not that high and especially with instagram now and algorithm changes and all of that you know kind of crap we can talk right?
0: about right we to talk exactly. about exactly <laughs> let's not talk about those ig changes anyway exactly. all right meta <laughs>
1: it's it's more okay can i get out different items to different people in as many different places as I can to just, if people see it and, and it to be, yeah. you know, a little bit more word of mouth based, which I know is not, you know, as far as an investing standpoint, an investor might not want to hear that, but I, I really look at it as more grassroots and, and really trying to hit people's souls and, and actually make them not necessarily think differently, but to look at life from a different perspective And I remember my mom had asked me "Did I really think a a t-shirt could change the world. And I said, I, you know, I think one with my message can, you know, I, I think it's a reminder to people to, you know, one, love yourself, love others and love life. And when people see that, that's what I also want them to think about. So if you can see a garment that I make, and that is the type of feeling that it conjures up, then I'm doing my job. Now, how do I just present it in a way that can help this business grow over time. And I think having more offerings or even I'll say getting a bit more artistic with it and going more into, okay, I'm going to focus on how my life in baseball, how can I put that into clothing or how can I make that fashionable or, or or Mm -hmm. those are the kind of things that I'm looking at now is where can I take it? What kind of sticks but how do I just get more offerings out there for for people to, to have and and to love? You know, I want people to look and say, I love it. Or I love this shirt, you know, and it makes me feel this way. And, and these are what all these little intricacies on it mean. And this is what the message means. And I know a lot of people just want it to be, I just want a cool shirt. And I'm like, great. So my goal is to sell you a cool shirt that has something behind it. And then once you figure out what's behind it, then you're really going to love it.
0: okay so i love it um (laughs) i wasn't planning on saying that but um look here's the deal there are so many not so many brands but there are a couple of brands that come to mind that have Mm -hmm. that kind of that vision and purpose you think about tom shoes there is i my brain is blanking right now but there's some folks who do it with socks who also there's a whole thing about why they're doing the 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 thing with socks and also give back to homeless shelters and so a brand with purpose, I think, especially when we look at Gen Z, mm-hmm. who authenticity and genuineness is a big hallmark of that generation, is going to be a brand that stands out. And so thank I think we're going to do think it. So as well. <laughs> when you when you when you vine when you get into your space of Zen, I think you're absolutely going to do it in your zone of genius. And so, oh my gosh, Chris, thank you for spending some time with me. I'm gonna I keep saying this morning. <laughs> I know it's afternoon where uh, you are, fine. so I'm going to say today. Because some people listen to this in the middle <laughs> of the night and be like, it's actually, you know, 10 p.m. where I'm at. <laughs> so one thing I do with every guest is to make mm-hmm. sure that they know where to find you. And so we will have all of the okay. social media links and the websites in our show notes. So if you want to know where to get in contact with Chris, as well as learn more about his Love it brand, we got you covered. Because it'll also be also, if you can't find it in the show notes, on our website. So okay, there's more than enough places for folks to find us. Um, so yeah, Chris, any last words?
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's It's been great to come on and, and share my story. And I always feel, I know you looked at the website, people don't really like to read nowadays. So it's, and I'm more <laughs> right. of a talker anyway. So it's it's nice to be able to, to get out and, and kind of share my words with my personality right. and everything behind them and <laughs> not everyone just reading stuff all the time. Cause I've been a little, little bit shy there. I'm, I'm not the biggest social media nut. So I, I really thank you for the opportunity to share my story and, and what I've been through and, and hopefully it inspire someone else to, to go out and live their life to the fullest. Cause that's what, you know, this brand's about and, and anybody that's, that's willing to do that. I'm always there for for questions and uh, help them along that path as best I possibly can.
0: You've just listened to an episode of the global chatter, which is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is edited by Stephanie Fuccio. Don't forget to subscribe to the global chatter on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at the global chatter, or stop by Twitter and find us at global chat pod. If you have a question want to subscribe to the newsletter, or are interested in sponsoring, visit theglobalchatter.com.